0: Welcome to Rad Reading, a bookish podcast where the R stands for refresh and the D stands for discover, and where we try to help you do those two things for your reading life. I'm Ronnie Lauren, a best-selling romance author who likes her reading life to be big on variety and full of complicated characters. And I'm Don Alexander, an indie editor who never met a whodunit she didn't want to solve
1: or an intricate plot she didn't want to untangle. We are two very different readers, but two
0: very good friends who love to talk books. Join us as we tackle reading roadblocks, give our best bookish tips, and of course, recommend all the great reads that have kept us turning the pages that week. Let's get started. Welcome back to Rad Reading. I'm Ronnie. And I'm Dawn. And today we are doing our October read, watch, and listen for spooky season, which for me means scary books and for Dawn, not so much. It just means hiding my eyes in every commercial
1: I swear, if one more person's like, "Oh my gosh, have you seen Smile?" No, 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 <laughs> no. And I went to send somebody a gift the other day, and that was the first one that popped up, and now I was creeped out for the rest of the day. Oh, I'm
0: sorry. Yeah, I'm actually going to see that this week with my parents. So I, I will have uh, fun. I will confirm that it's not for you. So <laughs> yeah, but, no. This is one of my favorite times of year. So I know you're not a huge fan because of all the horror stuff that comes up, but. It is my favorite season, so. Well, and anyway, that's good. Yeah.
1: And I'm I'm just relieved that my kids are now old enough that I don't have to
0: watch Halloween Town and its mini sequels uh, for the entire month. You know, I've never seen that one. My son didn't get into that. He really doesn't like scary stuff. He he wouldn't outright say he doesn't like scary stuff, but he just has never gravitated towards it. So um, <laughs> he's much more a comedy kid. So he would get along with you. <laughs>
1: It is absolutely not scary. It just after the third time you've seen it, you want them all to die. You want <laughs> you want the monster to win, actually.
0: So yeah. yeah. So we're gonna go through um, some things we suggest you should read, some things we suggest you should watch, and then a couple of listens for audiobooks and different things. So we do these every couple of months if we have enough stuff for read, watch, and listen. So we thought it'd be a great month to do that. But I know Dawn on your read, you were having a little bit of trouble. Huh? You're stuck. I have been in a
1: slump. And what's weird is I'm usually very aware of that. Mm-hmm. And I've been reading some great stuff from some of my clients. Guys, there are some awesome books coming out. I'm going to be telling you about in the next couple of months, but I was reading such good client work that when I sat down and looked at, okay, what have I been reading for pleasure? I realized, eh, it was mm-hmm. quite disappointing. And I've had several DNFs, which oh. we're fans of DNFs, but mm-hmm. this is like we've talked about on one of our other shows. I don't know if it's me or the book. I did have one WTF and not in a good way. And Ronnie had to listen to me
0: rant about that one. But <laughs>
1: so yeah, I have been in a slump.
0: Yeah, I feel your pain. I I think it's sometimes when we read a really good book, we've talked about that, that you get in a slump. So if you're reading good client work, but for me, reading Wrong Place, Wrong Time, which we talked about a couple of times already, it put me in a slump. So I noticed that I was getting lots of DNS, and I have a book that broke my slump that I'm going to talk about today. So that's good. But what my issue has been is what I talked about last week um, or two weeks ago when we were you know, in doing our admission about TBR piles and how big mine is. So I went to- It's huge, (laughs) y'all. If you haven't heard that one, you need to go
1: back. But I want to interrupt for just a second on Mm -hmm. the TBR pile, because a lot of people hit us up on social media about that. And yours is not the biggest out there.
0: I know I felt so seen. (laughs) I was like, I'm not alone. (laughs) Um, And I actually put out a call on my newsletter of like, You know, what are some ideas that you use and, you know, for your TBR? And one of my newsletter readers, um, she gave me a great tip. I think her name is Erin. Yes. And she said that on Storygraph, which I think we've mentioned before, it's like Goodreads, but it has a couple of different features. And one of the features that it has is if you've entered all of your books from your TBR pile, which I have, um, when you open it up, your homepage shows you new books every time from your TBR pile, like randomly. It doesn't show you like on Goodreads, you know, you see that most recent. So that's all you ever see unless you rearrange them on purpose. This is like completely random, usually six books, I think on the website. If you go on your phone, it might be less. But so I decided I'm going to try her method of taking one of those suggestions. So what I did was I pulled up my story graph and six books came up and I promised myself I will pick one of these books based on cover alone. I'm not going to read the back because I've already put it on my TBR <laughs> pile. So that means at some point I wanted to read it. So I'm going to do it based on cover and I'm going to try to read it. If I don't like it as I'm reading it, then I can at least move it off of my TBR pile. So I did it and it actually worked. So I picked up a book and I read the whole thing in a day, which is not, um, you know, I'm a pretty fast reader, but Dawn's more likely to read something in a whole day than I was. And this book y'all has been on my TBR pile for seven years. Yes. Seven years. When it came up, I was like, I have no recollection of this book. I've never heard of it. (laughs) Why is it on my pile? But um, so that's the first one I'm going to talk about today. It does not have anything to do with spooky season, but I figured since we were talking about TBR, I'd share it anyway. But it is YA. It's called 16 Things I Thought Were True by Janet Gertler. Um, So if you like teen books, this is definitely solidly YA. Um, If you liked like The Summer I Turned Pretty, those kind of books, so a little bit younger YA. But here is summary. Morgan is in the summer before her senior year and is working at an amusement park, but she's ostracized from the others, you know, employees there because she has a video that went viral. So her friend filmed her dancing around in her underwear and it was boys' underwear. And she put a potato in the front, like being silly with her friend, as you do. Right? <laughs> and so shaking her butt and all this. And the, the best friend put it online and it went viral. And so now, Um, she's really embarrassed and people have made fun of her for it. Sorry, my allergies are making my voice go out, but, um, and so she just kind of hides in the bathroom at work and she has like almost 5,000 Twitter followers. So she, all of her friends, quote unquote, are Twitter. So she's always on her phone, just kind of isolating herself. But then she meets in the bathroom on one of these early trips and hiding in the bathroom. Another girl that works there is crying in the stall next to her. So she tries to see what's wrong with her is this really bubbly bright girl who just has no filter. She says whatever she is on her mind and they become um, kind of tentative friends. And she helps her with the issue with the boss who is Adam and Adam is a teenager as well, same age. And, but he happens to be the boss and he's kind of uptight, you know, always making sure they follow the rules and stuff. However, of course he becomes the love interest for Morgan. The main character. Right. So. At its heart, this book is a road trip book because Morgan finds out her mom has a health scare and she's thought her dad abandoned her um, when her mom was pregnant. So she doesn't know who her dad is. She doesn't, her mom doesn't have any information about him. At least that's what she was told. But when her mom has this health scare, she's like, actually, I know where he lives. And I know all of his information. If you want it, it's in my jewelry box. So Morgan decides she's really always had this hole in her heart about her dad. So she wants to go drive the four hours to Canada and kind of confront him, like surprise him on his doorstep. Hello, why did you leave my mom? Which sounds like a great idea, right? <laughs> so. Absolutely not. Right. Just We're just going
1: to throw that out there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I have two things to throw out here before you continue. Sure. One, anybody who was interested in the potato is going to be quite disappointed later in life. Right. We're just going to throw that out there. Right. Right. <laughs> two, maybe rethink randomly showing up on people's doorsteps yes like ever but
0: especially in this situation agree so she decides to go on a road trip with adam the manager who she kind of likes now and amy the bubbly friend who wants wants this adventure she's kind of the one that's you know wants to do this too so they go on this road trip and i love a road trip book so i enjoyed that and teenagers on a road trip going across the border and stuff they had some you know funny moments and things Um, I will say the main character is a little hard to like at first because she's really prickly. Um, She just wants to be on her phone. She's kind of bitter about her dad and the friend and everything. So you have to give her some time, but the side characters in this book were like gold. They were so lovable. The hero was so great. He was kind of like sweet and nerdy and just kind. And the friend kind of stole the show, stole the show. But so I loved the romance and friendship of this book. I am going to put just, Trigger warnings for health stuff, health illness stuff, okay? Because this book has a light overall tone, but then you can get walloped with something. I'm not going to spoil it, um, but I will say a sad thing happens. Um, So if you do not like any sad in your books, this is not the book for you. Um, I really could have done without the sad thing. I think the story would have been just as good and, you know, I would have enjoyed it more. Had the sad thing not happened, but I'm a person who doesn't like a sad thing. However, I still really like the book. So I'm glad I read it and that it's no longer sitting on my seven-year-old pile. Um, and this is 16 Things I Thought Were True by Janet Gertler. So so, so you're down to 449 now <laughs> right. in the pile? Is that where we're at? Well, let's not talk about the fact that my book of the month order came in. <laughs> so- <laughs> new books got added. Um, I'm doing better. I'm trying to do better, but yeah. So, okay. So now to, I'm going to say spooky reads, but I really, this one's Dawn. You could read this one. This is fine. So this one is love in the time of serial killers by Alicia Thompson. Um, and this is the one that got me out of my reading slump. So I mentioned that I was in a slump, this one grabbing right out of it. Um, so this is the back cover copy. Turns out that reading nothing but true crime isn't exactly conducive to modern dating and one woman is going to have to learn how to give love a chance when she's used to suspecting the worst. PhD candidate Phoebe Walsh has always been obsessed with true crime. She's even analyzing the genre in her dissertation if she can manage to finish writing it. It's hard to find the time while she spends the summer in Florida cleaning out her childhood home, dealing with her obnoxiously good-natured younger brother, and grappling with the complicated feelings of mourning a father she hadn't had a relationship with for years. It doesn't help that she's low-key convinced that her new neighbor, Sam Dennings, is a serial killer. He may dress business casual by day, but at night he's clearly up to something. It's not long before Phoebe realizes that Sam might be something much scarier, a genuinely nice guy who can pierce her armor to reach her vulnerable heart. This one, okay, so first before I even go into it, if you have read my book, (laughs) What of You and Me? This sounds a lot like the premise, so I'm really glad this one came out after mine. (laughs) Cause I didn't, right? People <laughs> didn't think I stole a premise. So mine is about true crime obsessed heroine who thinks her neighbor is a serial killer. So, you know, but once you get past the premise, the books are very different. Um, so this one had a lot to like about it. I'm a true crime person as is Dawn. So all the references she did a lot of what I call inside baseball, like a lot of straight up references to true crime documentaries, to certain serial killers, to things that serial killers did. That if you listen to a lot of true crime or read a lot of true crime, you're like, oh, yeah, I know. Or like the dateline, <laughs> you know, specific dateline episodes or that one where this happened. Um, mm-hmm. So I really like that because I'm into true crime. But if you were not, I feel like that would have gotten annoying because it would have felt like you were left out of the inside joke. So just be aware of that. Um, I also really wish we would have gotten more of the heroes POV. This is an overall issue for me in general. So this is not a crit- critique of the book. It's just in a romance, I really always feel left out if I don't have the hero POV or the second, if it's two heroines, the second heroine or the second hero, right. I really like to see that second character um, from their point of view, because otherwise they fall a little flat for me usually because I can't see them. And so this ends up being a story more about the heroine, um, even though it is a romance. So I really liked it. Dawn, you would like it because it's fun and sh- you know she's got a good author voice, but this is Love in the Time of Serial Killers by Alicia Thompson.
1: Well, and I have to say, as the mother of two college kids who are trying to, like, have lives, mm-hmm. having a mom who is into true crime is not beneficial to them.
0: <laughs> because
1: yeah. they'll be like, mom, I'm fine. And I'm like, really? Really? I'm sure that girl's mom thought she was fine, too. <laughs> They're yeah. like, stop watching the documentaries. <laughs> Please step
0: away from the Investigation Discovery Channel. <laughs> yes. My husband tells me this all the time. when <laughs> I'm like, no, we can't do that. And in the first book, the teen book I was talking about, they have a moment where they could pick up a hitchhiker. And the guy's like, we should help that guy. And the two girls are like, are you crazy? Like you don't ever pick up a hitchhiker, never. Um, All right, my next one is weird. So, hey guys, it's Ronnie. I'm just popping in real quick because I realized when doing edits that I forgot to say the name of this one at the start. So this book I'm about to talk about is called Comfort Me With Apples by Catherine M. Valente. Um this is literary horror. It's very literary and it is short. So it's a novella. I read this one in about two hours. So if you're looking to like finish out your reading challenge for the year and you need books to fluff it up, this is a good option. Um, but it's one that I almost I don't want you to read the back. I'm going to, I'm going to read it to you, but don't go beyond that. Don't go look at the reviews. Literally don't look at the reviews because if they spoil the thing, it's one of those things that hinges on a twist if they spoil the twist it makes the book not, you know, worth reading. So read for the twist and the weirdness because when you're reading you're like what in the hell is going on? Like I don't know what's going on but I'm compelled and I'm going to find out. Um but anyway, okay. So I found this one from the Patreon um, of the currently reading podcast. So they said, when you finish this one, you immediately want to go back to the beginning and reread it now that you know the twist. And I had the same exact experience. As soon as I finished it, I'm like, oh, like, oh, <laughs> you know, you want to go back and look at all the things. So um, this is the back cover. Sophia was made for him. Her perfect husband. She can feel it in her bones. He is perfect. Their home together in Arcadia gardens is perfect. Everything is perfect. It's just that he's away so much. So often he works so hard. She misses him and he misses her. He says he does. So it must be true. He is the perfect husband and everything is perfect. But sometimes Sophia wonders about things, strange things, dark things. The look on her husband's face when he comes back from a long business trip. The questions he will not answer. The locked basement she's never allowed to enter. And whenever she asks the neighbors, they can't quite meet her gaze. But everything is perfect, isn't it? So not if you have a (laughs) locked basement, no, no. That is
1: a big red flag in any relationship. If there is a locked basement, you are not
0: allowed to go in, seek marital counseling. Right. So you can tell from that blurb what they're trying to do is they're trying to set you up for a mystery and it does hold that throughout the whole book. Um, So the way it starts is it has these like excerpts and they're very strange from the Arcadia Gardens HOA agreement. So they're very formal of like, residents cannot go outside at night and residents can only paint in these five different colors of white. So it's very detailed. Um, And then you go into the chapters with Sophia. um, It's from her point of view. So I will say it's very literary. So if you're not into literary, don't, don't go there, but um, I'm still thinking about this one. So I finished it this weekend and I'm still like looking back thinking, huh? Oh, like little pieces are starting to like come together. Um, when you find out the twist. So I may go back and reread it, but it is weird. So when you're reading it, you're like, this is so strange. I have no idea what's going on. Um, but go with it if you like, you know, a twist and a mystery. So just don't say I didn't warn you that it's weird and literary. <laughs> Dawn, I, like this is not a book I would recommend to Dawn because she's not into literary. And it is horror, but I wouldn't say it's like, terrifying or anything like it's just unsettling would be the word i guess because you don't know what's going on but not outright scary so that is comfort me with apples by Catherine m valente so now for something much lighter um if you have kids at home and they want to get into the halloween spirit we read me and my son um goosebumps welcome to dead house by rl stein so this is the very first goosebumps book and um he had to do a reading journal as an assignment for school, which if you listen to this podcast at all, he could not have a better mother (laughs) to have a reading journal assignment because I'm obsessed about reading journals. So, um, but he is a reluctant reader and he struggles um, kind of to process some of the what's going on in a story and fiction isn't his thing. Nonfiction is his thing. So I read this alongside him and helped him um, kind of put his thoughts, you know, together for his reading journal. So It is the back story or the back cover is 11-year-old Josh and 12-year-old Amanda just moved into the oldest and weirdest house on the block. The two siblings think it might even be haunted, but of course their parents don't believe them. You'll get used to it, they say. Go out and make some new friends. But the creepy kids are not like anyone Josh and Amanda have ever met before. And when they take a shortcut through the cemetery one night, Josh and Amanda learn why. The kiddo... Oh, sorry. I'm reading my notes here. So my son liked it and was able to follow the story, but I was surprised. Like I... I think I, I said in my last episode when I was talking about reading R.L. Stein when I was growing up, I read his teen horror. I did not read Goosebumps. They weren't around. This is like the younger version. I was surprised at how creepy even the younger version got. Like, you know, dead kids, <laughs> like <laughs> pretty creepy in the cemetery. Oh, also just, I'm this is a spoiler. I'm giving it out because I would want somebody to tell me, but the dog dies. The dog dies oh. in a middle grade book. Now he becomes a ghost dog, but he's still a dead. Of course he does. So, but no, that's not okay. Yeah. So I was a little stressed out by the dog. I'm like, Petey, not Petey. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> the dog does die. So I'm warning you because you're probably going to read this with your kid. You should know if your kid's going to, you know, be freaked out by that or not. Right. So, but overall, it really was pretty creepy. So that is Welcome to Dead House by R.L. Stein. Okay. So I got two comments on this. Mm-hmm. One is, Never in my
1: life have I taken a shortcut through a cemetery. (laughs) I don't care how many miles we got to walk out of the way. I'm not going through there Mm -hmm. because bad things always happen. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter if you are covered in holy water. Every single novel, once you step past that gate, that's it. You're Mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand that. Two. I was the kid that they used to show Wonderful World of Disney every Sunday night. Right. And they were showing Old Yeller and they showed it in two parts. And the first part ended where he like fights off some kind of animal and he's just hurt. Mm-hmm. I was sobbing so hard and so hysterical that my mother went ahead and told me what was going to happen in the oh. next part so I could just absorb it and get over all of it before we watch the next one. Oh. So, I fully support getting that that trigger warning out there that is information people need. Yeah, I feel like isn't there a website called Does
0: Does the dog die? Does the dog die? Yes. yes. Yeah. So, yes in this one. <laughs> so, sorry I'm recommending a book that the dog dies. I usually wouldn't But at least he becomes a ghost dog. You still see him wandering around, you
1: know? So, (laughs) of course. Of course.
0: He just smells real bad. (laughs) So, because he's a zombie, sort of, you know. (laughs) But, all right, Dawn, what have you been reading? (laughs) Sorry.
1: I'm just thinking middle grade kids probably get into the bad smelling ghost dog. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I have been in a slump. So I needed something to, that was just different that got me out of what I've been working on because I've been working on some really awesome stuff, but got me out of what I've been working on. This is an absolute Dawn book and I had so much fun with it. It is called, the name of it is Crux, C-U, no, C-R-U-X, Crux. And it's the first book in the Dragon Bride series, which is an overarching or a subsidiary subset of the overarching intergalactic dating agency series of course it is and it, of course it is and it is by Kate Rudolph and i'd had good luck with susan grants installments for the intergalactic dating agency so i knew it's a conglomeration of several authors writing in the same kind of themes so i knew it would it would be good writing but this one I, it has dragons and aliens
0: yeah, it's I just mean, for you. Yeah, it was meant for you.
1: It was just it was just for me. It's very short. I read it in the span of a football game on a Sunday afternoon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's good. It's quick. It's a fun read. And it is a girl who wakes up and she has been kidnapped from Earth. She wakes up and she's on a spaceship. And of course, she doesn't know aliens exist. And she was working as a car hop when she was kidnapped. So she has like her work uniform and roller skates. And I kind of love that because the roller skates play like a huge part in things eventually <laughs> mm-hmm. because she's a very smart heroine. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that really cracked me up is when she's kind of working out her whole situation and working out, okay, I've been kidnapped and these are aliens and what am I going to do? She starts thinking about aliens and she thinks about Star Trek and she looks down and she's like, and I'm wearing the red shirt. So if you know anything about Star Trek if somebody comes on wearing a red shirt you don't get attached to them because they're not staying long. (laughs) They're not long for this world or that Mm -hmm. world or whatever world we're in. So she is trying to escape the aliens who have kidnapped her. She's almost caught but then she's saved by what she thinks is a man but he's not. He's a dragon prince and that pretty much is just what you need to know. It's Mm -hmm. fun. It's Quick, sexy, and there's a dragon. That's all you really need. Right. I read that one. And then what I'm currently reading, you recommended, which is Grave Reservations by Sherry Priest. And so far, I'm loving it. I'm only about 25% in, so I can't give it a full recommendation. But the summary of it is, meet Lita Foley, devoted friend, struggling travel agent, and inconsistent psychic. When Lita, is sole proprietor of Foley's Flights of Fancy, impulsively rebooks Seattle detective Grady Merritt's flight, her life changes in ways she couldn't have predicted. After watching his original plane blow up from the safety of the airport, Grady realizes that Lita's special abilities could help him with a cold case he just can't crack. Despite her scattershot premonitions, she agrees for a secret reason, which I always want to do things for secret reasons. Her fiance's murder remains unsolved. Lita's psychic abilities couldn't help the case several years before, but she's been honing her skills and drawing a crowd at her favorite bars, open mic nights where she performs clairvoyant karaoke. And really that's all I needed. That's exactly why I
0: recommended it to you. I saw that and I'm like, (laughs) Dawn.
1: Yes. All I need is clairvoyant karaoke and I'm in singing. Whatever song comes to mind when she holds someone's personal effects. Now joined by a ragtag group of bar patrons and pals alike, Lita and Grady set out to catch a killer and learn how the two cases that haunt them have more in common than they ever suspected. So I'm hoping this is going to break me out of my slump.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: I didn't want to stop reading it, but
0: life. So I'm hoping I can dive back in and enjoy it. Yeah, this one, it was, it's on my TBR as well, but I, I picked it up because I thought it sounded like kind of like cozy mystery, but with paranormal and, you know, a little edgier than a cozy. So you'll have to vet it for me and see if, you know, it's, it's a book for me or not. But um, Dawn, you also had some kiddo recommendations and one of these is one of my favorites.
1: Yes. We have to talk about Benic- Benicula. I loved Benicula. Am I saying that right? <laughs> Benicula. Benicula. Yes. Yeah. Benicula. It's it's a cool name. I like saying it. Um, <laughs> One of my favorites as a childhood, this is a. This was my level of horror. It probably is still my level of horror. So Bunnicula is by James, Howell, James and Deborah Howe. And it says, beware the hare," as in a bunny. Harold the dog, who does not die in this book, by the way, we're going to throw <laughs> that out there. <laughs> Harold the dog and Chester the cat must find out the truth about the newest pet in the Monroe household, a suspicious looking bunny with unusual habits and fangs could this innocent seeming ra- rabbit actually be a vampire yeah i
0: loved these books and all the vegetables turn white <laughs> so <laughs> the vegetables are being drained <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember reading other because it's a series if your kid likes this one i think there are four books or something in the series but it's like the something strikes at midnight, the celery stalks at midnight how do i remember these the midnight yes <laughs> yes yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah no, that's a great suggestion
1: So I wanted to throw that one out there. And then you talked about Goosebumps and how you were kind of surprised about how scary it actually was. Mm -hmm. So I looked to see if this book is now still available because I read this, I was nine. And this is The Haunting by Margaret May. I got this off of one of the scholastic Mm -hmm, newscavery things that we talked about last time that is supposed to be a safe place for children. (laughs) This book terrified me and the back cover copy really doesn't do it justice it's eight-year-old Barney has been haunted before he thought it was something he'd just grow out of like the imaginary friends his stepmother believes he has but this time it's different footsteps follow him there's a demanding voice barking orders and Barney begins to feel that sometimes his body is not his own at all With the help of his sisters, Tabitha and Troy, Barney sets out to uncover the truth about their family secrets and to find out once and for all who is haunting them. A thrilling ghost story about a mostly ordinary family and a secret legacy. So it sounds harmless enough. (laughs) I'm going to post a picture of the original cover for our social media because I'm pretty sure I still have the actual book. It looks like this boy is on fire. Like he's like floating, his arms are up, there's flames coming off of him, there's a girl behind him looking all scared because, you know, it was the 80s. One of the published reviews called it a psychological thriller. That is not a word that should be associated (laughs) with middle grade books. But I will tell you, this book terrified me and I would only read it on Sunday mornings because, in my mind, that (laughs) because God was going to protect you. God, but only on Sunday mornings, <laughs> only on
0: Sunday mornings is when I would read it. That's funny. I haven't heard of that one.
1: Yeah, it's a very 80s. I'm pretty sure I still have it, probably because I thought it was going to come back and haunt me if
0: I ever got rid of it.
1: <laughs> and then I wanted to mention, as you're looking for something for a young adult, that this is kind of spooky and that it has some really spooky settings. There's not really supernatural anything like that, but it is a campus novel where you've got all the secrets of the old buildings and it starts off with a guy taking i think he's taking a girl to a cemetery actually to try to scare her Mm -hmm. you know so it's that kind of teenage angsty type prank stuff and that is secret of the sevens by lynn lindquist and everyone at singer a boarding school for underprivileged kids knows the urban legend of the society of seven Decades ago, the original members of the secret guild for the elite students murdered the school's founder and then perished in the fire they lit to hide the evidence. Or so the story goes. Talon Michaels doesn't care about Singer's past. He's too focused on his future and the fact he'll be homeless after he graduates in May. To take his mind off of it, he accepts a mysterious invitation to join a group calling itself the Sevens. He expects pranks and parties and perks. Instead, he finds himself neck deep in conspiracy involving secret passages, cryptic riddles about the school's history. And even worse, he is now in a tangled web of lies someone will kill to keep hidden. So it's just kind of a fun little drag you into this dark kind of, but it's very... Um, I know in the past, I've recommended Delaney Foster's like Mischief Night and Hallowed Eve and Darkest Hours, and all of those were secret society. This would be safe to read with like your 14 year old. Don't. Okay. I adore Delaney Foster. Do not read that with your 14 year
0: old. (laughs) Don't scar. Please don't scar them.
1: (laughs) You do not want to answer there.
0: All right. So those are our reading recommendations. And now we have some things for you to watch um, for for Spoky season for bikes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's been Outtakes. a long. <laughs> it's been a long week, you guys. Okay. So now we have things to watch for spooky season. And I've been doing a lot of this because I love October. So I'm I'm, you know, watching a lot of the things that make me scared. So the first one is a horror comedy. Um, I still wouldn't probably let Dawn watch it, but it's called Freaky. And it's about a teenage girl and a male serial killer um, who accidentally switched bodies. Oops. So um there's you know an ancient curse as you do right so (laughs) but they they find out okay they switch bodies and then they find out that if they don't change it back in 24 hours the change becomes permanent so and the serial killer obviously is not motivated to change back because he now has a new identity in this teenage girl and he can get away with a lot more stuff so the funny part about this movie is that vince vaughn is the serial killer so imagine Vince Vaughn, big, burly dude, kind of goofy looking. Um, sorry, Vince. And now he has a he's supposed to be acting like a teenage girl is, you know, inside him. So seeing him act, you know, like a feminine teenage girl um, is pretty funny. So it's it's definitely more, I would say, comedy than horror, but it is a slasher. And if you watch horror movies, this is when Dawn's gonna give me a look, but if you watch horror movies, they talk about the creativity of the kills, right? So how creative did that movie get about, you know, how the people died? Well, this one seems to take like a tongue-in-cheek look at that because they have some really interesting kills. Like they went over and above, like, we're gonna do it. This, you know, we're gonna bring all kinds of crazy elements in. So that was kind of funny. But um, yeah, I think if you're looking for something that's not too scary, but you wanna have a good time and you're not afraid of some blood because it is, you know, bloody and gory. Um, And the term freaky is, I'm sure, a play on, like, Freaky Friday. So, Freaky Friday. Yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of fun. And I didn't put which streaming this is on. I think this is on Netflix, but don't quote me on that. So, Dawn, you may... I know you like Vince Vaughn, so... Yes, I adore Vince Vaughn. He's like a great big teddy bear. I love him. Yeah, you might be able to watch this one in the sense that it's really, you know, horror comedy, but I just don't know, like, how gory you can watch. So that. That I don't know about you. I know creepy is not good, but I I don't know about Corey. Um, And then my next one is a TV show that I just started watching. It's brand new, but it's Midnight Club on Netflix. And it's based on the Christopher Pike book, Midnight Club. So I love that things from like way back, Christopher Pike uh, is getting a TV series now, but I've only watched the first one. So I can't tell you how good the whole series is, but it's a teen show obviously if it's Christopher Pike but the premise is there's a teen girl who has everything going for her she's you know at the end of her senior year she's planning like her you know valedictorian or salutatorian speech and um and then she finds out that she has terminal cancer so trigger warnings for cancer stuff which usually I can't watch but for this I was able to watch it so um and she decides like she's you know going to research and figure out like how she can beat this even though they're not giving her really any hope so she finds this hospice that exists you know on the coast and it's in this old house and some people have survived that have gone there so she's she wants to go there and it's only for teens so of course the house is like creepy and possibly haunted and dawn cannot watch this one it it is not it definitely has a locked basement that you can't go in you know actually (laughs) it totally does (laughs) It's not always it lost, does. but they have an elevator. And in the very beginning of the episode, the other teens tell her, don't go to the bottom floor. It's where the morgue is. So the morgue is in the basement. But um but the midnight club title comes from the fact that the teens meet at midnight when they're not supposed to be out of their rooms and they tell each other scary stories, trying to scare, you know, scare each other and entertain each other. So I've watched the first one, it's really well done so far, and I'm looking forward to watching the rest of them. So and then if you want something, that's also, that's on Netflix. Another one that's on Netflix. If you want something that's funny and not scary at all, and we might lose our clean rating on the title of this one, but it's called Boo <laughs> Bitch. So um, just an awesome right. title, right? I could I see
1: some just like very sassy ghost, right? <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. So I watched, I started watching this one last night and I watched like four episodes. The episodes are short and- they're really fun. It is very teen. Y'all know I like YA. So, you know, your mileage may vary if you don't. But it's starring um, Lana Condor, who's also in To All the Boys I've Loved Before. So if you've seen that, that's the same character or the same actress. Um, so this one isn't scary. The premise is that two two senior best friends are making a last-ditch attempt to be seen because they've been kind of invisible all of high school and in the background. But one of the night they try to do that and go to a party, one of them ends up as a ghost. So she'll need to live her best life um, when she while she can to move on to the other side. So there the mythology in this one right now is because I like I have watched the whole thing. She is physically still a person. People can see her, she can interact with people, she can kiss the boy that she likes, um, all of these things, but electricity kind of acts weird around her. And she sees her dead body like on the side of the road under a moose. So a car hit a moose, and the moose hit her. <laughs> that'll give you an idea of what the comedy is, um, in this. So it's very like silly and funny and she's trying to figure out what she's supposed to do so that she can move on to the, to the light, because she's been told that if she doesn't move on to the light, you know, that she'll get stuck as a ghost and get really bored. Like she'll end up just having to haunt people and she doesn't want that. So she's trying to figure out what is her unfinished business. Is it to kiss this boy? Is it to go to prom? Is it to, you know? So if you're looking for something cute and fun, um, it is, there is cursing in it and stuff. So I wouldn't say like little kids. It's more like older teen, but that is boo bitch on Netflix. Um, Dawn, you're approved to watch this one. This one has no no scariness so far. So
1: I can handle people dying from moose squishy. <laughs> I don't, what do you call that? M- moose flattening.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> moose squished. Um, yes. Yes. So, and then I have sadly an anti-recommendation. So this is the worst when you're so excited that they're making a movie of a book that you really liked and then it doesn't work for you. But this is My Best Friend's Exorcism. The book is by Grady Hendrix and I loved the book. Um, The movie that just came out, not so much. So, okay. So this is set in the eighties and they really overdid it with the 80s. I'm like, did the people who made the movie exist in the 80s? Because. Probably not. I and know, that which is so sad. sad. <laughs> so, like to do the 80s haircuts and stuff, they used wigs. And I'm like, you really can just cut somebody's hair into an 80s haircut. Like it's not. Yeah. You can feather your hair <laughs> still. <laughs> Even if it's not the 80s, it will still feather. <laughs> you just need a hairdryer and some white rain. Right. I mean. I <laughs> You can, Dawn can set you up right now. Um, yes, definitely. Yeah. I I was a 90s kid. So I, I remember the 80s hair for, with my mom. I never had to do the 80s hair myself. I was, by the time I had to fix my own hair, it was like grunge. <laughs> you, know, you could just like wear it straight, but, or in a bun or whatever. But anyway, so they went overboard, I think, with the parody of the book, because it is supposed to be tongue in cheek. It is supposed to be funny, but it also is really horror, Um, the book at least, so sadly, this one was a disappointment for me. But maybe if you haven't read the book, maybe it would work if you're just looking for something kind of silly. And, you know, it is gross. Like, there is horror in it. There's a tapeworm situation that, you know, be warned. in on space. Yeah. Ew! Um, but that was in the book. So I knew that was coming. And then if you want a little true crime, um, I did watch the 2020 episode called The Vanishing Act. And that is about the case of Sherry Papini if you don't remember who that is. um, She was the mom who disappeared and everybody was looking for her. She went running and she disappeared into thin air and she was gone for a while. And then she was found. The kidnappers quote unquote released her and um, she had this story that two Hispanic women had abducted her and they had beaten her and she had all these injuries and they had kept her locked in the closet and chained to things and all of that. And then you find out, we found out years later that she had staged all of this and she had gotten picked up by her ex-boyfriend. And um, yeah. So what was fascinating about the 2020 episode was they interviewed the husband back when she was found, when we didn't know that she had faked it. And you see his grief over what his wife has been through. And it is so terrible and so tragic to me
1: That anyone could
0: do this to somebody who loved them, to their family, their kids, their husband. Um, So to see him like so genuinely upset, you know, back in the earlier interviews, it's just, it's crazy. So it was really a well done episode, but it's, I mean, it's a sad story, but it's also crazy town um, that, you know, she did this thing to her family. But if you're into true crime, um, you can stream 2020 wherever, you know, on your streaming services. So Dawn, do you remember that case? vaguely yeah you'd probably remember it if you saw her face she was very blonde and um yeah you would probably recognize her if you know you saw her so her picture was all over years and years ago but and she used all of the resources of the town like people were looking for and like releasing balloons and doing like searches and it's crazy crazy but so those were the things i've watched and then i have my list because october is not done yet um so on my list to watch and i'm inviting you over dawn for all this (laughs) <laughs>
1: of course, and I'm not going. Right. Just in case y'all are
0: wondering, I will not be watching any of these. Right. Right. So there's a new interview with a vampire series, so I'm looking forward to that. I haven't checked it out yet, but I love the movie, so I'm looking forward to the series. I plan to rewatch The Craft because witches and you know the 90s and 2000s and all of that. It's a fun one. I'm gonna rewatch The Grudge because I've been watching Buffy and Sarah Michelle geller is in The Grudge, and Donna's shaking her head vehemently. <laughs> I have been told,
1: um, first of all, I've seen the interview with a vampire. I saw that way back when it came out. Like I remember seeing it in the theater.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And then um, I don't know if I've ever seen the craft, but with the grudge, I have been told by more than one person in my life, you should never, ever watch this for any reason. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's definitely off limits for you. It's kind of in the same zone as the ring. So, you know, you can't watch the ring. It's kind of that same vibe. Um, And then I want to see Hereditary because it's one that a lot of people talk about. And for some reason, I've never seen it. And it was recommended by that Nightmare Fuel book that I recommended. I'm using the word recommended a lot that I talked about, or it was a rad wreck last time. Um, So I'm going to add that one to my list.
1: I haven't seen this one, but my daughter, who shares the same weirdness you have for (laughs) she loves scary movies, she was a character from this for Halloween last year. Oh, nice. So... After you watch it, I'll send you the pictures of (laughs) her and you
0: can be like, oh, that's why she was dressed that way because I didn't get it, but. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, And then I put Idle Hands on my list. I haven't seen this one either. It's a horror comedy from the 2000s and I watched the preview of it and it looks like it's going to be completely ridiculous, like almost like American Pie style humor. Seth Green (laughs) is in it. Um, But it was delayed back in 1999 because columbine had happened and apparently there was some mm-hmm. scene that you know with the shooting or something so but it is a horror comedy so i've never seen it and i'm going to check that one out and then like i mentioned i am going to see smile this week probably with my parents um and me and don are going to go see a comedy differently so i'm not going yes. to take yes <laughs>
1: um no, the smile thing keeps freaking me out. I need it to come out and be done because I can't even watch the commercials. Yeah, it's
0: out now. I think it came out last week. So it's it's officially out. But um, And then one honorable mention, I'm going to say, if you haven't, if you like horror and you haven't watched Jennifer's Body, um, this is an older book or older book, an older movie with Megan Fox. And when it came out, it kind of didn't really do that well. And it was because they marketed it to boys who would like to look at Megan Fox in really skimpy outfits but really it's um, Diablo Cody did the movie. So it's really like a feminist movie and it's making a statement about like revenge to what men did to her. Um, So if you go back and watch it now, it it watches very different probably than if you watched it back when it came out. So those are my watch recommendations. Dawn, I know you don't have horror, but what have you been watching?
1: Well, it has demons. Does that (laughs) count? Sure.
0: (laughs) Because we have been
1: binge watching The Good Place i love
0: love that i love the good place
1: it is it does have demons Mm -hmm. the demons don't give me nightmares and so that's good i absolutely recommend this because my husband and i just watched it and it's one of those you can just put on and you don't have to think and it's actually really funny Mm -hmm. there's it's genuinely funny so we've been watching that one and then i know you know ronnie is not the superhero but i've been so into she hulk some of the Marvel, like, series that have come out on Disney Plus are kinda, I'm really liking She-Hulk oh, good. because, and I didn't think I was going to, but if you haven't watched it yet, it is really a feminist thing because she talks a lot about the fact that people don't necessarily like her as her normal person or they don't like her as She-Hulk but there's some who only want her to be She-Hulk and only want her to be the normal person and so it's kind of this and it's but it doesn't beat you over the head with it it's got some really funny parts it's another one that you can just sit back and watch and enjoy and then um this one isn't spooky related at all but my husband and I had waited a long time for it to come out because you might've heard in one of the other episodes about the wheel of time debacle <laughs> that Amazon prime put out the wheel of time and it didn't follow the books. And my husband absolutely did not approve of that. So this is rings of power, which is a prequel to the Lord of the rings and that whole series. And it is gorgeous to watch. Oh, it's really well done. The cinematography is amazing. It's a little slow, i will say if you start watching it at least give it the first three episodes because they are it is a little slow to get going but you can't just look at all of the look at all the gorgeous sets and the gorgeous costumes and it's kind of awesome to just get lost in this whole other world so so that's what we've been watching and of course football because yeah football same same
0: all right, so next is our listen um, segment. So this is audiobooks or podcast episodes or um, anything that we're listening to music as well. But this week I have audiobook. So I listened to this week "Such Sharp Teeth" by Rachel Harrison. First, I want to say get this in audio. So if you're not at all an audiobook reader, I will forgive you. But this audio made the book for me. The narration was super fantastic. Um, now this one is a hard one to pin down genre. So it's not straight up horror because there's not much fear being induced or even like creepiness. It's not a true romance because the romance is more of a subplot. The conflicts are almost women's fictiony or like chick So I'm going to call it romantic women's fiction with a horror twist. <laughs> That's what nice. I planned. It on. Yeah. Um, As I mentioned earlier, I don't think I've been down that aisle on Barnes and Noble, <laughs> but we should totally look for it the next time we're there. Right. This seems to be this author's thing. So she wrote Cackle, which was a witchy book that came out last year that I believe I recommended on this episode last year um, or one of our episodes that came up. So she seems to like to cross genres, which works for me. But this is the back cover. Rory Morris isn't thrilled to be moving back to her hometown, even if it's temporary. There are bad memories there, but her twin sister Scarlett is pregnant, estranged from the baby's father, and needs support. So Rory returns to the place she thought she'd put in her rear view. After a night out at a bar where she runs into Ian and almost flame, she hits a large animal with her car. And when she gets out to investigate, she's attacked. Rory survives miraculously, but life begins to look and feel different. She's unnaturally strong with an aversion to silver, and suddenly the moon has her in its thrall. She's changing into something else, or someone else, something else, maybe even a monster. But does that mean she's putting those close to her in danger, or is it embracing the wildness inside her the key to acceptance? This darkly comedic love story is a brilliantly layered portrait of trauma, rage, and vulnerability. So it's a werewolf book, y'all, if you didn't get it from the such sharp teeth, um, you know, part. But but it's not like a werewolf book. I don't know. It's really hard to describe because it's really about her journey as a person. Um, but what I love most about the book was the author's voice. It's very, very wry humor. So that is one of my favorite, like, vibes of a author voice. And I really connected with that that main character wasn't always likable. um, But you stick with her because she's funny and like the cool girl, you know, like she's just kind of cool. And the banter between the hero and the heroine really held up like to that wry humor thing. They, they could keep up with each other, which is important if you have a really wry heroine, that guy's got to be quick on the uptake. You know, he's got to mm-hmm. be able to give it back to her as much as she gives. So the only thing is we don't get to know that much about him. Once again, Ronnie's issue with not <laughs> having hero POV um but i just wanted to know him more but this is really a story about family like how she gets along with her sister some issues she has from her past with her mom there are some trigger warnings for childhood abuse so sexual abuse so if you have any issues with that um it's not deeply described and you know detail or anything but just be aware but it was really a cool like different version of a werewolf story that i wouldn't have thought of but if you're going in for like werewolves you know <laughs> not quite that but it's really the werewolf is almost like a um, a metaphor for all the anger she has built up and how she can kind of process that so it's definitely a woman's journey story I feel like the what do you call it lycanthropy being a werewolf the like I think it's it's lichen and entropy <laughs> Why is she looking at me like that? That's the word. They're a lycanthrope, right? (laughs) I've I've never heard that (laughs) really. Google lycanthrope. I'm I'm saying it probably wrong, but it is the word. Um, so anyway, it almost could have been like switched out for like a chronic illness, and it would have had the same kind of effect on her story. Like she needed something to shake up her world and make her see things differently and so i thought it was a really interesting way to go about a werewolf story so that's such sharp teeth by rachel harrison and i'm recommending this one specifically in audio and then this one isn't scary in a fun way this is scary in a real way but i listened to missoula rape in the justice system in a college town by john krakauer um i'm recommending this with reservations obviously by the title you can see all of the trigger warnings go with this one so this was about a high number of sexual assault cases in the Missoula, Montana area and at the University of Montana. So this was, a. I listened to this on audio. It was a really tough listen because the assaults are described in the book. So if you have any sensitivity to that, um, I had to fast forward some stuff. So, um, and then they go over it again because they do the court cases and the court documents, you know, they have that stuff in there too. So just know that that's there. So I do think, um, it's important information because it really went into how acquaintance rape is challenging to prosecute. The victims also often don't get justice. You know, it's all, well, she went on a date with him or, well, they were drinking or, well, she went home with him, but then she said no right before it happened or said no in the middle and all of those like areas that make it very difficult for a jury, you know, to understand. Um, And so I felt like I knew a lot of this already because when I was in grad school, I did some papers on date rape. And I was, um, trying to advocate to get the rape kits that were untested. There was like 10 years of backup and rape kits in Louisiana at the time. Um, we were trying to get those tested because as Don and I know from true crime, those rape test kits can really come up with a lot of evidence mm-hmm. for murders and all kinds of things. So, so some of this information was very familiar to me, but if it's not to you, it'd be good information to have. And I really think men should listen to this because women know a lot of this stuff, um, yes. but men not all of them realize that consent is very nuanced Sometimes, with, you know, they think, oh, well, she invited me over. So that means anything goes. No, no means no under all circumstances at any time and all of that. And this really hammers home. Um, Doesn't matter if she's drinking. It doesn't matter if she says in the middle. And so I wish it was taught in schools um, to let guys know what really consent looks like. No is no, um, but tough, tough read. So just be warned. And then right now I'm listening to um, this is so niche, <laughs> but but I'm sharing it because, you know, maybe somebody else out there loves horror too. and uh, but this is it came from the closet, Queer Reflections on Horror, edited by Joe valise. So each essay in this one takes one or two horror movies, and the author was influenced, whatever who's writing the essay was influenced by those movies in some way, um filtering it through their queer identity. So how did this movie? or this movie make them think differently about you know how they were feeling or what they were going through and it's so um interesting and it's it's very academic so if you're not into like academic literary analysis kind of thing maybe not for you um but i love kind of delving deeper into a movie and looking at the metaphors of it and you know how that might have translated if they're looking if somebody's looking through it through you know a queer identity so really interesting that's it came from the closet and then I'm also still listening to Bloody Fool for Love by William Ritter, which is a Spike from Buffy prequel. Um, and I'm just listening to that one in between. And it's, you know, a lot of fun. So I'm not going to go deeply on that one. Because it
1: always it, comes back to Buffy. It always comes, always back, to comes back to Buffy. Always
0: Spike. Yep. So. <laughs> yes. And Dawn, you don't have any listens for us, right? You haven't been doing the audiobook. I did
1: not have any listens for us this week or... Just for the past month, I have not been listening. It's so sad. But I do have a great rad
0: wreck of the week. All right, give us that one.
1: So my rad wreck of the week is Saltair by Hazel Jacks. It released on Tuesday, and I'm just going to throw it out there. It is the first in the duet. It has a cliffhanger that will rip your heart out, but it's so good. It's so good. It takes place in 2004 and that was just kind of nice because it was 2004 and social media and cell phones and all that kind of stuff just isn't there. I mean there's cell phones but they didn't yeah. they weren't what we have now. So it is a story of Reagan who has just graduated from high school and she is spending the summer between high school and going off to college on Fire Island with her family. And she comes from a very wealthy family. Her uncle owns property on the island. And on the way to the island, her and her best friend, who I absolutely adore, meet Penn. And Penn's a little bit older, and his family runs the ferry that goes back and forth from the mainland to the island. And they connect over their love for music. And so there's a playlist that goes along with the book, and it's a sexy, sweet kind of first love thing that completely revolves around music, and it has this great cast of secondary characters,
0: and I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I love a book with a playlist. Like I love that. Yes. (laughs) So it it enhances the experience. All right. So tell us again the title. The title is Salt Hair by, and it's by Hazel Jacks. Okay. All right. And my rad wreck of the week. It's a book I've mentioned before, but it wasn't as a rad wreck, so I wanted to make sure it is on our list, and it's good for the Halloween season as well. So this is Ninth House by Lee Bardugo, and. The back cover is Galaxy Alex Stern is the most unlikely member of Yale's freshman class. Raised in Los Angeles hinterlands by a hippie mom, Alex dropped out of school early and into a world of shady drug dealer boyfriends, dead-end jobs, and much, much worse. By age 20, in fact, she is the sole survivor of a horrific unsolved multiple homicide. Some might say she's thrown her life away, but at her hospital bed, Alex is offered a second chance to attend one of the world's most elite universities on a full ride. What's the catch and why her? Still searching for answers to this herself, Alex arrives in New Haven, tasked by her mysterious benefactors with monitoring the activities of Yale's secret societies. These eight windowless tombs are well known to be haunts of the future rich and powerful, from high-ranking politicos to Wall Street and Hollywood's biggest players. But their occult activities are revealed to be more sinister and more extraordinary than any paranoid imagination might conceive. So this has your occult. It has a campus novel, so that's always good for the fall. Um, Lee Bardugo is a fantastic writer. And it's the perfect time to read this because book two is finally coming out. Um, it comes out in January. It's called Hellbent. So I am probably going to have to reread this one because y'all know my memory is crap, <laughs> but this is on my favorite shelf. Um, and so the combination of horror and campus novel is like, you know, all of my buttons <laughs> get pushed. And so I'm going to reread this one so that I can be prepared for Hellbent in uh, January. But if you're looking for something creepy and dark and, you know, set on a real campus, uh, this is Ninth House by Lee Barduga. So that is it for our creepy and less creepy episode. (laughs) Well, and if you
1: need more creepy recommendations, we do have our episode where we did this last year, which is our fifth episode that Ronnie titled They All Float, which (laughs) I still have not forgiven her for. But if you're looking for more darker, scary things Dawn would never read, she's got a whole list of them on there. So be sure you hit up that episode as well.
0: Yes. And until we see you next time, we hope that every book you pick up is rad reading. Thanks, you, guys. Bye. Bye.